You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to The Mentor, I'm Mark Boris. Now they say the only thing that's certain in life is death and taxes. I can tell you one of them is definitely certain. Well, today on the show, we're going six feet under and talking about the business of death. There's always a need for funeral services. It's one of the few services that are never in short supply. We have a big demand and a growing demand for funeral services now and in the future. But just like death, many of us don't really understand how funeral services operate behind the scenes. We've got no idea how the business side of things works. And my guest today is Matthew Quacker, the owner of Southern Cross Funeral Directors. He owns a number of funeral homes across Sydney. They're one of the few funeral home services that have remained independent and are still family owned in an industry that's dominated by conglomerates. Southern Cross Funeral Homes sets itself apart by educating people about the process of what happens when someone passes away. When people are grieving, they're not in the right state of mind. So how on earth do you market something that no one wants to know about until they're forced to? I'm also gonna delve into how Matt actually got involved in owning Southern Cross Funeral Services because it's very interesting how Matt navigated the relationship he had with the previous owner, overlaid against his own employment, and somehow one day he ended up owning that business at a point in time where Matt was either going to leave or buy the business. That is a very, very delicate dance indeed. So let's get into it. Matt Quagga, welcome to The Mentor. Thank you, Mark. Pleasure to be here. I love your chair. Oh, thanks. It's a bit of a different out there, colourful piece in the house that uh, made its way in here quite some time ago. Never got rid of it. It looks like Joseph's Technicolor coat. It does, doesn't it? Pretty cool. A lot of people come in and make comments on it and go, yeah, it sticks out. So I have to ask you this question. Like when I saw your name, uh, how often do you get ribbed about the name Quokka? Heaps. Heaps, heaps, heaps. I get called cocker. I yeah, I get all, all sorts of things. All sorts of things. People don't know how to pronounce it. It's you know, just answer to what I'm called, I suppose. Is, is quokker right? Yeah, yeah, quokka, quokka. Yep, it's fine. Quokka. But wh- where's that name originate from? Uh, it's from Poland, actually. It's a Polish uh, name. My grandfather. Yeah, it's a Polish name. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. just because. Uh, I mean, I, I've been over Rottnest Island, and um, and, uh, <laughs> the little quokkas running around there everywhere. They're not yours, are they? 
Yeah, no, they're not. But I've got a few photos with them on my phone, so that's pretty cool. Uh, so just tell me a little bit about Matt Quokka. Okay, so me, I'm uh, 44. I've got two wonderful kids, boy who's seven, girl who's four, who I thought was five yesterday, and I was a few days out on a birthday, which was great, father of oh the year. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. Um, I had the kids with a really good friend of mine, Amanda. Um, so we've worked great as a team, and we raised the children together. I've got an amazing partner called Neil, who's also got two kids. So we're quite a modern family with four kids in total. So it's a really busy, amazing life, and yeah. And, uh, and uh, where, where'd you grow up? I grew up um, around in Sydney, so uh, grew up around South Hurstville and, and 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 Southern Sydney. So still still residing in the area, haven't left. I used to, I used to uh, um, go to a, a swimming pool in Hurstville, um, near just sort of behind the railway station there, and um, I used to do my swimming training there. And it's like an indoor pool, twenty five meter indoor pool, and I used to be uh, under the. Uh, I used to train there like every morning and every evening under a guy called Don Talbot. Is that swimming pool still there? Cole Jones is still there. Cole, Cole Jones, yes, he came yes, in after Cole Don Jones. Talbot. Yes, yes, so it's still there, that pool. It's amazing. That's where I learned to swim myself. So Cole Jones is still there? It's still there to this day, yep. Nah, he must be ancient. Like Cole Jones uh, taught my brother who's like – like ten years younger or seven years younger than me, so yeah, oh, wow, that's and that's going back like uh, forty years uh, more, fifty, <laughs> yeah, 60, nearly sixty odd years, fifty five years or something. Wow, that's cool. I was uh, I used to swim there on a guy called Don Talbot. Don Talbot, he became the Olympic coach. He had somewhat of a tough reputation, and um, in those days, uh, he wouldn't be able to get away with things he get he used to get away with um, in those days. Yeah. But he used to get away with those days, but. Uh, Wow, it was uh, it was actually a really good uh, period in my life. Actually, it gave me it taught me a lot of things about taught me a lot about discipline that I didn't know. You wouldn't be able to get away with the kids today because they'd mm. lock you up if he did the sort of things <laughs> that they were doing to us. But uh, and uh, all right, so and you went where did you go to school? I went to school Pencers Morris. So I'm a Morris boy. Morris brothers boy, yeah, yeah. And so you got four kids. You, you and Neil is Neil, was it? Yes, it is. Yeah, you got between you got four kids. It is. It is three boys and a girl. So they all call each other brother and sisters and, you know, we all get on great. It's just, just a really, really great family. You're pretty young for a father these days, 44. Oh. You're lucky. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. well, I've, I've got mates whose kids are like 18, 19. So, you know, I feel quite really? old compared to some. Yeah, so, yeah, a lot of my mates have kids young. So, Well, my oldest boy is 40 this year. Whoa. 40. Well done. 40. Yeah, he'll Jeez. kill you for saying that. Uh, but uh, <laughs> he's forty this year. Yeah, you know, that's, that's mad. I know. I, I keep thinking I'm still twenty five or thirty myself. But yeah, he's forty. Shit. So do I. I yeah. Can you describe to me um, your business? Okay, so we are funeral directors. So we yep. have offices throughout Sydney and the Central Coast. We're there with families to help say goodbye to someone they love. So you know. For, for me, I've been surrounded by death a majority of my life because um, the original owners of the business were family friends. Um, we, you know, and I've been exposed to it a majority of my life. And when I got into the business, I'd, every day is different. So I just love dealing with people and we t- help families say goodbye to people they love. Okay. Well, well, we'll talk a little bit more about the business. I guess I want to, I mean, I don't, I, I've never, I, I do, I have a mate who has a, a sort of a, an online funeral business yeah. sort of thing which yeah. is a, t- a tough business to be in um but i don't know yeah. much about it but i've never really known anybody in the funeral business other than when i went to school in at lakemba 
my teacher, like sort of like was a pretty influential person in all our all the kids in my class lives during the period, lived on top of a, a funeral director's business in Lakemba, and I think it was called uh, Jay Jay Walter Sons or something like that. Uh, Walter J Sons, which became Simplicity Funerals or something like that. Anyway, yeah. um, I used to think in my mind uh, when he used to come to school because he lived up there on top of the funeral parlor with his family, like his mum and dad yeah. and his brother. His brother became a priest and he, he lived up there. And uh, I used to have this imagination that there was all these dead bodies down there in the <laughs> funeral parlor on top of where he lived all the time. And it used to be uh, not a macabre thought for me, but like I used to, you know, like uh, sort of a bit freaky for me. Um, um, and I always wondered – how the hell he got involved in uh, the funeral business or be- living on top of a funeral parlour. And uh, so I guess my same question to you is how the hell did you get involved in the funeral business? Take me through where a young Matt Quokka was, say, when he was 20. Like what was he thinking about? Well, we, I, I had um, I had flower shops. So I'm, I'm actually in my floristry and I had two, uh, two flower shops in the area. And then what happened was the, one of the owners of Selling Cross unfortunately suffered a stroke and we were doing all the flowers for the business. Just by default, I went in to give them a hand with a few accounting issues and a few bits and pieces with the business. And I walked in the door and I just looked around and thought, wow, this is pretty amazing. Like these people are just helping people through one of the toughest times of their lives. And, and, and it was actually by default, I actually got into the industry um, because I walked in the door and I had the flower shop. So I saw like doing two things and then something had to give. So I started working for the funeral home full time and I, every day is different. And I just loved what I did. You know, you've got to have compassion and empathy. And, you know, if you've got, if you're someone that's got a lot to give, it suited me down to a T. Would you consider yourself as being both yeah, sympathetic and empathetic? Like are they two important traits that you possess, do you think? Yeah, I do. I was brought up by European parents. We were brought up with consequence for actions. We were taught to respect our elders. We were taught to listen to people and we were taught not to judge. Um, you know, at school I had a fight with the kid because my mum's got Croatian background and he was Serbian. And when we were kids, the racial hatred between the two countries was very prevalent. We got into a fight and we were called into the principal brother's office and my friend's father was there and mum was there and mum just went smash across my head and she went, you know, you've got one head, two arms and two legs. It doesn't matter where he came from. It's old hatred. Why are you carrying this here now? And that was a really big wake-up call for me, Mark, because I thought to myself, wow, she's right, you know, and, and, and we were brought up in a household where, they, you know, we did something wrong. Like my dad said to me, you can do whatever you – when I was 16, he goes, you can do whatever you want, son. And I went, woohoo. And then he said, but if you think I'm not going to be happy, it's safer you don't do it. Yeah, otherwise okay. you leave. <laughs> That's exactly right, you know. So, so we always shown love and that by, and by my parents, but we were brought up to respect and listen and treat everyone the same. So I, I, I get what I, I mean. It's, I mean, I'm big on. Um, I mean, I guess everyone does. We all make judgments on people, and I'm, yeah. um, and uh, and whilst we make, um, um, it's our, it's part of our evolution. We 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 make assessments of people. Probably a better mm. word. And my assessment of you is your, um, your highly strung like you move because you're moving around a lot now hyperactive i think i think with me it's 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 i try to do one my philosophy is i try to do one thing every day that scares me and you know being in situations that i'm not used to i'm not used to to, to, to sitting in 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 podcasts or, or on shows or in interviews so that's just me personally um and of course with time i will 
relax more with it. Um, but for me, yeah, I am, my life is go, go, go. And it's great that it's like that because when I slow down and in the past, it's proven when I go, when I've gone on holidays, Mark, I, I get sick because my body just goes, wow, you've stopped. So I always keep it's myself probably good. on the go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. But when you get bored easy? Yeah. Yeah, so bored, bored with sort of something you're doing, like a business boredom or a, you need stimulus. Yeah, definitely. I, I find it hard to sit still. Um, I, I see that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, like, I, like to keep, I like to keep busy. I think for me, when it, when it gets too much for me, I shut down. So my head gets full and I just go, you know what, I need a day out to myself and I catch up with what I need to do and that helps me. I think in my business, because every day is different, I love that. It's, you know, I get stimulated every day. I get to meet amazing people every day. I work with amazing people. Um, but for me, this, this highly strungness is because it's just the way I've always been. I've always been someone that likes to keep busy. Um, you know, for me to sit down and watch a TV show, I'll watch an hour worth of TV a night. That's about it. Um, but I'm, I'm always, yeah, on the go. That's just who I am, I suppose. I, I can sort of, I can feel it. Like I, I can, I, that's sort of the sense I'm getting from. I mean, are you one of, do you have Netflix? Yes. Are you one of those people when you turn Netflix on who says uh, continue to watch? There's like about fifty shows you've watched half of. Yes, hundred percent, hundred percent, Mark. Look for for me too. I think with the with what I see every day with work, I I try to get as absorb as much as I can. I try to do as much as I can, and that's and as a result of that, I'm constantly busy, um, and. For me, to, when I sit down and relax, I, my mind starts ticking away, thinking I've got to do this, I've got to do that. So there's no point in me sitting down until I know in my head I've gotten everything done I need to do. So if I go back to when you were running the florist, why did you decide to go into that, that industry, that, the floral industry? Oh, because when I was young, I had a really good, my best friend at the time, she was a florist and I used to help her in the shop. And um, then when I got to a stage when I was about 21, 22, I was working for um, GIO at the time. And I just thought I wanted to try something different. So I went and did a floral course. I opened up a little business at South Hurstville and I got staff on board and we grew it and we went really well. And then we got another shop in the area. And um, I liked that too, because every day was different. I'd get, go to the flower markets myself. I'd work in the shop. I would, you know, do all the buying. And that's what I did for about six years. Tough business though. Oh, it is, especially if you have corporates or weddings or things like that as well. Um, it, you know, it was a tough business, but I enjoyed it. But for me, I felt like I could do more and I wanted to do more. And that's why when when I started helping the previous owners of Southern Cross, it, it was like a new zest. So that then got, got my interest and um, I started learning about the business and then it turned out that I had the opportunity to buy it and, and, and went from there because, you know, that was really important. And I got to learn a lot about the funeral industry as well. So the floristry industry is quite small. Yeah, it is. And it's tough because a lot yeah. I mean, you are competing with the online industry, which is, you know, Correct. like what's interesting though is um, for me is that as a result of your family sort of background, you got to get involved in this funeral business. Correct. And it was called Southern Cross then? Yes, correct. Yeah, and, and what were you doing there? I mean, like, I mean, apart from helping when you said you're helping out with accounts and stuff, but what, like, I don't know. And like, it sounds like there's cadavers everywhere, and you've got to <laughs> shove them in uh, boxes and stuff. But, but what were you actually <laughs> doing there? 
Um, the, look, with, with the way the business was set up and still is, is that we have a central holding facility where all our um, all the deceased are held with all of our fleet and our and our client services teams. So I was more in the admin and office side of things, but what there were days where they, you know, we they would have eight or nine funerals on in one day, and they needed staff. So I went out onto a service, and um, the owner's son at the time uh, turned around to me, and goes, "Okay, you're conducting this funeral." And I went, I, "I don't know what I'm doing," and he went, "You'll be right. You can conduct." And he goes, "You've seen what we do for on a few times. You can do it." And I, and I never forget. I was just petrified, but I went down. I thought, you know what, I'm going to do it, and I went down and. You know, I then conducted the service. Then when when I got back to the office, I thought, you know what, I'm going to test myself at arranging a funeral. So then our industry still to this day is handwritten paper for a lot of um, funeral providers. And um, so we, so I did arranging and I got to sit with families and I would sit with the family and say, look, you know, I'm, I'm learning and I'm new at this. Are you okay if we work together? And of course they were fine because as long as you're up front with, with people, they're fine. Yeah, that's and um, so then um, I, I saw like we'll go through because a lot of the forms, it's just filling in forms, a lot of the arranging of, of a funeral. And um, so I taught myself that and, you know, I would, before that I would listen to staff when they were doing arrangings in other rooms. But um, I taught myself that and then I thought, you know, we can do this better. There's, the, there's a better way to do this. It doesn't have to be an hour and a half consultation with the family when they're watching you handwrite eight or nine children's names. We've got to get some sort of system in place. So then when I purchased the business, I've been developed and still developing a system that, we've, that I've built that everything's just done via the computer and it's been really helpful during COVID because we can do things online via Zoom and people don't have to come into our sites. We can do everything online. So it's proven to be really helpful and beneficial to the business as well um, because now we've got a digital record of everything because all of the paperwork before is all archived. So we've got... I think about 28,000 files in archives because everything was handwritten. Sounds like a lot of interesting data, actually. A lot of interesting data. How did you come to buy the business? Tell me about that. Like, uh, So you, here you are working in this business. I, I guess you're in your 20s or something like that. I was, yeah, I was in my 30s, <laughs> um, early 30s. One of the owner that had the stroke passed away and the owner that was left – <sighs> He had been in the business for a very long time. And it, and it is a very, very hard business to be in because you're dealing with people's emotions on a daily basis. You're seeing people grieve. And there's such a massive spectrum to grief. And so he sort of started, started taking a backward step and, and, and it got to the stage where I just said, look, you know, you've lost sight on what it is to care. You know, we've got to start caring. We've got to start implementing changes. We've got to keep up with the times of the industry. And he's going, no, we do it this way. We do it that way. And, you know, with any business, you have to morph with the times. You have to change and, and, and keep up with the times. And, and unfortunately, an, amaz an amazing man, absolutely amazing man, but, you know, was stuck in his ways. So it basically got to the stage one day where I said, you know what, I, it, was a, it started becoming a toxic environment for me because I was taking on the weight of the world and I was, you know, having buffers stopped when I wanted to implement something or do something. So I wonder, I just said, look, you know what? We're at a crossroads. We've got to make a decision here. Either you sell or I walk. And, um, and the decision was he'll sell. So I then bought the business out from him and um, he, he retired to the country. And then, but then too, with any business, 
when something's been ran a certain way and stagnant for su such a long time, and when you have staff that have been there, like we had staff that had worked for him for 30 years, you know, people of change management is extremely, extremely hard in any business. So, you know, and especially someone who's younger. So a lot of the staff were my parents' age. So they've got this young kid in their eyes coming in saying, hey, we're going to do this. We're going to implement that. We're going to try this and trial it. It didn't go too well with some of the staff. For me, it was, if you, you know, we've got to work together. We're a team. And if we don't work together, well, then something's got to give. Did you, and there's nothing wrong with this, by the way. I'm not going to make yeah. a judgment at all. I just want to know. Did you knowingly build yourself up to be um, so important to the business that you knew what that you knew that one day you could either take over this business or you could walk? Um, or did it just happen that way and you woke up one morning and thought, you know, I'm over this uh, shit game that I'm here. I don't like the way this place has been run. I'm going to just put it to him straight out. Either I buy it or I leave. For me, it, it, look, my belief is they replaced the two most important people in my eyes on the planet, which is the Pope and the President of the United States, right? Every, everyone's, everyone's replaceable. There's, not, there's no one that has that much power that, that, that they'd be all and end all. For me, it was I was stagnant, so I was being held back and I knew that I would be an asset to any business that I went into. Now, when if, if that day if he turned around and said, get staffed, I would have gone, okay, fine. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. Would you have gone to a competitor? No, I would have gone into the corporate arena, I think. Right. You wouldn't have gone into the same game though? No, I honestly don't believe so, no. All right. So it, was, it wasn't more about you putting him in a position where you might compete with him, but it was more no. you putting him in a position that he was going to have a loss, a hole in his business as a result of you leaving. Maybe not. But like for me, I wanted to do better. I wasn't happy. So the whole thing for me, learning learning what I'd learned in the time that, that, that I'd worked with him was, you know, every day is different. And, 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 and the position that you're in in your life at the moment is a result of the choices and the decisions that you've made. So, you know, I've had people who have said to me, oh, you know, this is crap and, oh, my life's like this. And I look at them and go, well, you know what? What have you done that's led you there? Now, for me, seeing people and working with families that have lost a little baby or, 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 you know, or a child, you look at that and you think, you know what, there's someone who's got drama in their life. There's someone who's doing it tough, right? But for me, most of the things in life are inconsequential in my eyes because you can change it. You've got the power in yourself to change it. And that's where I was at that time. I wasn't happy. Um, I wasn't, you know, it was, for me, I knew I could give and do more. And I actually had in my head, I wasn't going to go in, stay in the funeral industry. I was going to go into the corporate arena because I know I could give a lot to a corporate company. But then when he turned around, he thought about it. When I came, let's do this. I went, fine. You know, I didn't dictate. At the end of the day, he was the person that was holding all the cards. He, he was the owner of the business. And it was his call as to whether he kept it or to whether he sold it. And, and I could have been replaced by anyone, anyone. There could be someone out there that, that, that was better at doing things than I was, you know, there's you really believe that. Yeah. I, you know what? Yeah, I did Mark. In all honesty, yeah. I did. I'm not for, for me. I, I look at life as, as every day is a lesson and, and, and instances as a lesson. And like, to me, I'm learning every day. I can always better myself. Right. And at that situation, at that time, 
and I remember I got up and we had the discussion. I went, you know what? What will be will be. Uh, the, the Beatles song, you know, it, you know, let it be, it rings in my head all the time. You know, because I find this extremely interesting. I'll be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I, I find I find you really interesting, um, especially as an employer myself, as a proprietor. Mm-hmm. I have people in my business, you know, and I'm always looking for someone like you. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I'm looking out for someone like you <laughs> yes. for, for different reasons. Um, yeah. And uh, I mean, the, the question becomes for proprietors and people who are listening to the show, do I encourage people like Matt Quokka into my business and encourage their, you know, the way they behave and the way they operate mm-hmm. um, and or, or do I discourage it and try and control the situation or put myself in that, that, that it's perilous, it can be perilous position to put yep. yourself into it's if you have a Matt Quokka in your business. But equally, mm-hmm. if you don't have a Matt Quokka in your business, it can be equally perilous because you need people like Matt Quokka. So, I mean, how do you stop yourself from not crumbling with the grief you that can't. you're presented with? You can't. You can't. <laughs> I've cried at funeral services. Yeah, you cried genuinely? I have genuinely cried, yep. I, I, I genuinely hold, you know, I've, I've, I wouldn't be human. You couldn't be hu- like to work in this industry. You need to be a special person, right? You have to have feelings and emotion. You have to be able you like, I can't relate to a person that's lost their child because I've never been in that position. Okay. But what you can do, you can listen to them. I've said to, I say to all my staff and, and this goes for me as well. If you are emotional and you want to shed a tear, don't hold it back. Because that shows that we're human. Yes, we're here to do a job. Yes, we are here to be extremely professional. But at the end of the day, we are also here to support the people left behind. Um, the special person that works in this industry is someone who has a lot to give. Not necessarily a person that's lost someone they love. It's someone who has a personality that they can relate to people, that they can speak to people, they can listen, they can come up with ideas and coping mechanisms for people. Like I've had people get into massive fights in front of me in an office and I've said, hey, this isn't the time or the place. So for me in this industry, corporate's different in my opinion. Corporate, when you're in a big company and you've got a role as, on, on the senior management team, you are expected to perform, okay? Company, big companies have KPIs. In my business, I'll be honest, I don't set KPIs for my staff. If my staff member, if if a person comes in off the street and they are genuinely struggling, my staff have the authority to give discounts. My staff have the authority to give something for free because they've all got my back. For me, I've never run my business on KPIs and I never will because for me, you cannot put, you cannot take advantage of people's grief. Every situation is different. Every death is different. So. For me, in my, for my business, I'm only as good as the team I have representing me. And a lot of my team are my family and very close friends. Something goes wrong, I go off my head. Now, in the corporate arena, HR would be on my ass quick smart because you, know, you have one chance to do this funeral and do this funeral properly and deliver a service that you can only do once, really. Yeah, you're right. You, can you can't get, make good. <laughs> no. You, yeah, that's right. You can get married three or four, five, ten times. You know, you can have birthday parties, anytime, anything. But with the funeral, because emotions are extremely high, we've got one chance to get it right. And that's why I say to my staff, like, I've made staff cry. 
They've told me to F off. I've told them to F off. But you know what? Once it's said and done, it's said and done. If I'm wrong and I'm out of line, I will hold my hand up and go, you know what? I apologize. I was out of line. And it is hard because you are dealing with emotions. And sometimes a staff member might be doing a really that I don't know about. They've 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 dealt with a very difficult situation or a family and 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 they haven't told me about it. And then it comes out later. And I go, but why don't you talk to me about it? You know, because my staff, we're all human. We, we, we all have emotion. You wouldn't be human if you didn't have emotion. But in, in, in the corporate arena, in my opinion, it's a lot different to the funeral sector. You know, yes, our, our industry is conglomerately owned. There are big conglomerates that are players in our industry. Yes, they have KPIs. Yes, they're listed on the stock market. I'm an independent family-owned business. My mum, my auntie, my best mate, they work for me. And I have staff also but they've all worked for me for a long time and we all have each other's backs. That's very interesting. Yeah. And I, like I, we, at our last meeting, I said, if you don't want to come into work, do not ever bullshit me and go, <coughs> I'm sick. I'm not coming in. If you don't want to come in and, and you don't have much on in the day, I would, I would respect you a lot more if you ring me and you go, you know what, Matt, I need a mental health day. I'm not coping. I just need a day off to myself. I won't dock your holidays and I don't. If they genuinely come to me and they say, look, I need a day off, take it. What about if they don't genuinely come to you and they uh, bullshit you? I've never had that situation arise, and that's honestly. In your industry, given that people are dealing, you're very rarely going to deal with happy deaths <laughs> or happy families when someone's passed away. Yeah. Um, are you saying to me because it's, by definition, um, there's, you know, you're a, a deliverer of grief management, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's sort of what you do in some respects, mm -hmm. um, um, that people in your business, because they're empathetic, they tend to wear a bit of the grief. I mean, I'm talking about your staff. And as a result of that, over time, it, there will be people who will break at different points within your business and you'd rather them just stay home and have a break. Yeah. For, yeah. For me, look, when people come in to see us, they've got their business hat on. So they've suffered the initial loss and they're ready to plan. Okay, so rarely during an arrangement or consultation do you have people absolutely hysterical, very rarely. I could, I could list on one hand over the years of the people that I've dealt with. It's actually when you deliver the service that the grief is prevalent, okay, and it, becomes, and it comes out because that's the closure of the, of, of the service. But the thing is, even when you're doing the consultation, the consultation staff, because they're booking everything and liaising with the family, especially if there's family friction or there's a fracture, it's very hard on the consultant. But the team that deliver, if there's a fracture, families stay on this side, other families stay on that side, so it's divided. But you can see that, can you? You, you, you see where there's sort of families oh. where, who are sort of like, you know, because it's a bit like Christmas, uh, you know, like in, or sometimes, you know, you have family functions and mm -hmm. you want, wish everything, everybody's all wonderful, but it's rarely the case, particularly the bigger the family it gets. There's always factions within the family, yep. so to speak, or and exactly. or fractures within the family. So you, mm -hmm. I guess what happens is when you have a funeral, you're going to have those things become pretty obvious, do they? Well, everyone has their own ideas on how they want to say goodbye. Everyone grieves yeah. differently. So so the thing is, it's like if there's a fracture, like there's a, an, an amazing poem by um, a poet called Linda Ellis called The Dash. And it's and one a part of it is you know it doesn't matter how much you own the cars the, the boat the cash what matters is how you live and love and how you spend your dash, right? And it's very true, because you're born with nothing you leave with nothing, 
okay? And when I have families, I had brothers years ago and they were they hadn't talked for years. And I read that poem, pardon me, out to them and they looked at me and they went, my God, that's beautiful. And one of them started crying and they went and they reconciled in front of me at the office, right? Because it's true, like, like when you're planning, when you lose someone you love, you've got your ideas on what you want to say and what you want to do. Your brother or sister might have an idea on what they'd say and what they want to do. And then sometimes the partners get involved and it just, you know, and that's why I tend to say to people, you know, guys, who's the executor or who's, who's my point of contact? Because sometimes you can have a lot of chiefs and not enough Indians and, you get, and, and mixed messages can come across and, 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 and errors can occur. So that's why you've got to, you know, you, people come, a majority of the people that, that engage our services have no idea what to do. So we have yeah. to guide them. And if you're open, honest and transparent and say, this is how it works, this is the process, this is the expectation, this is, the, you know, the, the guidelines of, what, of, of what's to happen, they go, never have I had someone go, oh, well, I don't like that because you can do whatever you want. That's interesting. I'm going to, I've got to go to the break, Matt, and we're going to come back to the Sure, break. man. I, I really want to talk to you about um, – I never really thought it through, but I, and I'm fascinated with um, the actual uh, politics of the funeral service and um, how you train people to, uh, dis, uh, to uh, distribute those politics or work through those politics. And secondly, how do you market a funeral service business? So let's go to the break. Here with Matt Quacker, and Matt's the the CEO and the uh, proprietor of a business called Southern Cross Funeral Directors. I think we should just quickly talk about how the industry works, because mm -hmm. you've got some absolute corporate giants in the industry who sort of right. control a lot of the stuff, like where burials are held, where the, who owns the ground, where people are put into the ground if they're being buried, who owns the crematoriums, etc. Just can you just paint a little bit of a picture how the the structure of the funeral industry is and where Southern Cross fits? You know, what's the service that your group mm -hmm. performs? Historically, funeral directors were all independently family owned. Um, in the 80s, an American conglomerate called SCI came into the Australian market and they started buying up independent funeral homes. So what happened then was they started buying all the family businesses to build a brand. So SCI is a big player in the States. They bought brands like White Lady Funerals, Simplicity, Guardian, and put a lot of independent funeral homes under the Guardian brand. Um, very good provider. They then bought uh, cemeteries and crematoria as well. So the, the independent family-owned provider was really diminished to a very small amount of people. Over the years since, since and they've now uh, merged into Invocare, which are a um, great service provider. They do cemeteries and crematoria. Um, we then with, a, with some of the independents that were left, the proprietors were getting older. So some of the independent players started buying three or four more brands and put them under their umbrella. So there's quite a few independent brands that are still owned by a larger umbrella. Um, independents such as ourselves, there's not a huge amount in, in the country. Um, yes. There's a lot of still family-owned providers, but in city, there's, you know, there are still some. There's a If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. ...and a few other players. Um, but what we do is because we're family and because we're independent, Mark, we have the ability to not bend the rules, but we have the ability to, to tailor services to a family's needs. When you have a big player they have their guidelines and their minimals and their KPIs, whereas we don't, we don't do that in our business. For me, um, Southern Cross, I've prided myself on it being family-owned and independent. It always has been and hopefully always will. But with the industry being majority owned by conglomerates, it's, it's, you know, a lot of people don't know that. And that's why education is so important. Our industry is not a highly regulated industry either. It needs to be regulated. So there's so many um facets of the of the of the death sector and, and and funeral industry that the general public and the community have no idea i sort of had a bit of a sense that um your industry as such was sort of uh, controlled by some really big players mm-hmm. and then there were a number of independents like yourself mm-hmm. um and therefore you have to differentiate yourself um as an independent from say the you know the, the conglomerates or the aggregators what do you think you offer that is a better service, so to speak, than what, say, the conglomerates offer? Well, the whole, well, the feedback that we often get is that families love the fact that they're talking to the owner of the business, the actual boss. They love the fact that they can contact the actual owner of the business. They love the fact that they're dealing with the owner of the business's mother or auntie. Or, you know, the, I've, I keep my, my, my finger in every facet of the business. So I will do arranging. I'll go out on funeral services. I will take deceased into care. I will prepare deceased. There's, there, there's no facet of my business that I don't know because I don't expect my staff to, to do a task that I don't know how to do myself. So that's how we differentiate ourselves. And we also differentiate, differentiate ourselves through education. So... Um, we've started up a site called Death Defined with Matt Quoker, where we talk to, to normal people in the community. It's on YouTube. We've got a YouTube channel. Yep. Um, we've got socials for it as well, Facebook, things like that. Death Defined is more of a, we started this up for education. So the first 
thing that we've done is we've gotten people in to ask me questions they've always wanted to know about death. What happens, how it works, my experiences. And it's given me an insight because we did a survey of a thousand participants. We we actioned a survey to find out the public's response and knowledge of death. And the and the results were quite surprising. Like 50% of people didn't even discuss death with their parents or didn't know anything about it. Um, people don't even think about death. People don't think about their own mortality until they're older. People are scared of their mortality, but it's the only thing we Fuck really, yeah. yeah <laughs> the only thing we really have to do is die. You know, we're here, we, we, we can make an impact, but I don't know who my great, 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 great grandparents were. You know, unless you make a mark during your life, you're forgotten. And, 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 and this is the big thing that I look at is that I wanted to educate people that death isn't taboo. It's not scary. You know, it's, it's something that we all have to face and every single person on this planet in 150 years is not going to be here. When you think of things like that, it's quite an amazing thought. Well, what that's that, that's what I was saying. There's not uh, yeah. anything certain in life is death and taxes. That's exactly. Um, yeah, can, I, can I ask you, is your YouTube like a, a series of episodes? Yes, it is. They go for about 20 minutes, half an hour each episode. Yep. I, got, I got one, um, uh, Felice and Billy, they were a couple, um, one from a Muslim background. We were speaking about their experiences on death and their thoughts on death. So they're case studies. Sort of like case studies, yeah, and people's experiences and people who are interested in death they don't have an outlet or, or someone to talk to about it. So they've sort of like come on and said, hey, these are my questions. What, you know, what are your thoughts on this? Or how does this work? You know, is the coffin actually cremated? And it's like, yeah, it is. You have to cremate the coffin. Um, so these are all the, the things. It's sort of like an information outlet that we've put up that people can, who are interested in death and have questions that may be answered there. Yeah, that's cool. I, I quite like it. Um, mm. it's, but I think it's a smart thing. Do you do this as part of your marketing program, though? Do you, we do. You squarely put it there. Yes, we do. But marketing death is such a difficult thing to market because you're dealing with people's raw emotions, and you don't want to offend people. And like for me, when when we started redoing all of our marketing and you know and revisited it. My whole thing was I don't want to be in people's faces. When people ring us up for a quote, all my staff and I say, you have to feel comfortable with the person you select or engage to look after someone in your life that you love very much. So it's not a hard sell. You can't hard sell death because you offend. You can't pressure people. When people are grieving, they're not in the right state of mind sometimes. So what we do is 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 this whole education thing that we look at. We we give the family the choice and the options. And for for me, I want people to engage our services who want to engage our services. They don't engage us for price point. They don't engage us because we're local. They don't engage us, you know. I've had families in before that I've said to them, I don't think I'm the right funeral director for you. Now, for a business owner to do that is a big thing, but for me. Two, as a person that someone's entrusting me, that's a huge responsibility. Trusting a, a person or a business with, with someone who's, who's made such an impact on your life, whether you, you know, I had this, this man in years ago and he goes, I want to dress my mum. And I went, okay. And I was in the mortuary with him and he got a cloth and he rubbed her hands and he went, these are the hands that disciplined me. And he went through every part of this woman's body 
um, as a good boy. And I'm there and I was crying, Mark. I, I, I was, it was the most beautiful thing I've ever witnessed in my life. Because I thought, you know, he said, these are, the, these are the arms that cuddled me. These are the legs that, that carried me as a child. And it was just, he had a story for every part of his, his mother's 90, however old she was, body. And, I, and, and, and that was a real eye-opener for me. And I thought it's, it's, it's such a delicate thing. And that was sort of like an epiphany for me where I thought, I, I, I'd never want to push my brand on people. I never want to force people into doing something they don't want to do. That's cool. That, yeah. Interesting. To, I would love to see if you had filmed that sort of thing. That would be fantastic. Oh. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was something I'll never forget. Yeah, you will never forget it, man. I, I would love to see that in. I would actually like to see that in the film version. Mm. Um, that would be a great episode um, of that particular individual. Beautiful. So you, you, your business. I, mean, I often say this to people when it comes to social mediums in particular mm. that social mediums are there to either educate or entertain or both. Mm-hmm. If you're educating, you're entertaining, and it comes down then to the way you deliver it. Yeah, I want to make a different, and 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 it is different because it's no longer this in this day and age, Mark. It's no longer about mourning a death. It's celebrating a life. It's celebrating the impact that individual has had on the on their social circle, and and like for me, I don't change who I am when I'm with the family. Like, yes, you know, you have to read a family. If you have a family in there that's grieving heavily, yes, you know, you do pull yourself back. You you know, you are a bit more professional, as in, I say I'm not professional, but you you know. You, you you hold back. Whereas if you have a family that are extremely relaxed and and they can and they you know they can have a joke and a laugh and you know you 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 join in with them. So you're trying to read the market. Yeah, you have to read the family, the individual. You have to read the individual. You don't know who yeah, the yeah. individual is when they engage you because you meet them after they engage you. It's funny you should say because I mean, like my my family or well, part of my family are Greek. My dad's side, and um, I mean, I guess you've done a few Greek funerals, and uh, they're pretty full on. Um, in fact, they bring in people who are like professional whalers when the uh, they're lowering the body into the grave, and um, and, and it's pretty. Sc- I remember as a kid going to this thing. My God, I I, I was traumatized. Well, not quite, but um, I was like, what the hell was going on? The people were like, as they're lowering the thing, and then they're throwing the dirt in. And everyone gets a chance to throw a bit of dirt in. Like these people, like uh, that's the biggest impact on my me as a kid. I remember these people like crying as well. I think who the hell are they? Don't know them. They're not even part of our family. Um, And they bring them in because they add the atmosphere in the theatre to the funeral. It's it's nearly like like you know we we got to grieve and we got to show that we're grieving. If you're not showing you're grieving in the way that is the tradition, there's something wrong with it. But then on the other side of it, you just, you mentioned it, there's funerals where there's music and it's all happy and people are celebrating. Um, So that tells me that um, I I guess that's like reading the tea leaves. I mean, you and your staff have to read the situation and go along with whatever the situation or the momentum is. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Exactly. You have to read. You have to, like... You have to understand what the family's needs and wants are. You have to understand and and not only deliver it but exceed what they're looking for. You know, you need to take ownership. And you know what, Mark, in any business, sometimes the ball's dropped. Thankfully, we've implemented implemented the tools that, that in the 10 years I've had the business has been like one or two. We're very lucky. But if something happens, you own it. And, you know, as I said to you at the beginning, if you are transparent and honest with your client, and you work with them, there's no excuse for them to get upset, you know, and, and with, with, with something as delicate as a funeral, it's got to be done right and you've got to do what the family wants. 
all right, that's how you sort of process your business. Mm. I mean, what message do you market for a funeral director? Mm -hmm. The message that we basically send out to people is that, you know, we're independent, we're Australian owned, we, we, you know, we care, we listen, which a lot of other funeral providers do. But for, for us, it's the whole non-pressure aspect. It's the whole, like when someone rings up for a quotation, my staff all say, you know, if you have anything else, regardless of our services being engaged or you have any questions, ring. That's what we're here for. The message that we market is that we're there, we're around you when it matters. So our thing is around you. So we're around you when it mattered. We're, we're around you when you need us. You know, we're, we're around. That's what Southern Cross is. We are around you. So is that like a strap line? Is yeah. It? Yeah, around you. Yeah, that's what we use, around you. Yeah. And, and, and that came to me because we, we had a really big funeral service a couple of years ago, oh, a few years ago now, and, you know, I spoke to the family afterwards. I said, you know, every, you know how did you find everything? Everything okay? And they went, you know what, Matt? It's you were around the whole time, but you weren't in our face. And that stuck with me. And I went, you know what? And I went, what do you mean by that? And she said, you were there when we needed you. We had your direct mobile number. We, we could email you. We could call you anytime. And you were there. But on the day of the service, you stood back. You had all our needs catered for. Your team did. And you were, you were around. And I went, okay, thank you. I thought, wow, great, fantastic. That's what we're going to use around you. That's a good one. So we care and we support. There's a point of contact. Yeah. And, 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 and see, the thing is too, Matt, like even with us, we've, we've gotten calls from certain denominations and families. And, you know, for me, and this is hand on my heart, I've had people, I had a family call me and we've got great providers in our industry that cater to Arabic speaking families or Greek speaking families. And, you know, so one of the questions I have, if I, you know, and this happened a couple of years, oh, no, months ago, I had a lady ring, she had a very strong accent. I said, look, do you mind where I ask, you know, if I ask where you come from? She goes, oh, you know, we come from Lebanon. I went, okay. And I said, you know, they wanted a burial. And I said, okay. And I said, look, will a lot of people be speaking Arabic on the service? And she said, yep. And I went, okay. I said, look, we do a beautiful service. We are amazing at what we do. However, if you've got a lot of elderly people, that can only understand Arabic, these are the providers that I'll get you to also ring for a quotation because I don't have the resources of Arabic-speaking staff. And to me, I would rather lose a funeral like that and pass it on to a colleague in the industry, another independent, than take the business on and not deliver by having Arabic-speaking staff that people don't understand and take instruction on the day so things fall apart. So you need, you know, and that's what I say to all my stuff. If we get, you know, if we think that there's something that, that we can help the family better by doing, I will, I will pass that work on. And we do. Because the um, damage you could do to your brand by stuffing it up is mm -hmm. probably nearly irretrievable. I mean, like, Correct. like you're better off passing it to somebody else than exactly. stuff, running the, the, the risk of stuffing it up. It's not worth the money and the damage it can cause. Is your industry, in terms of your pricing, I mean, it sounds a bit cold-hearted to talk about it, but yeah. um, in your industry, pricing, I mean, it's you got to make a margin. That's where you make your money. Mm -hmm. um, yes. Is it a price-competitive business? 100%. 100%, Mark. So basically, yeah, people are shopping around. People people do, and I implore people to shop oh, around. Really? Go, shop around. And, oh, God, yeah. Because, see, the thing is, as I said, our industry is not highly regulated, but it's like anything. You 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 need to engage someone who you trust to look after someone you love. 
So by shopping around, you're speaking to people, you're speaking to different directors, you're, you know, you're working out what services they offer, you know, you, you get an idea. Like, see, for me, my, the easiest way to put it, I had an Italian family in, they wanted a massive big coffin. And I don't know if it's a Croatian or Polish background in me. I went, oh my God, you know, it's a $14,000 coffin. And I said, look, this coffin's nice here. It's four and a half. There's 10,000 left. I said, what's something you've always wanted? And the son always wanted a nice watch and the daughter wanted an antique bracelet. And I said to the son, well, what? get this coffin here. You can, every time you tell your time, it's mum's last gift to you. And every time you hear that bangle jangle, it's mum's last gift to you, right? The thing is, yes, you're here to sell a product, but you don't take advantage of people's grief. But the whole thing for me is I would much rather the, a family engage the services of someone who they trust and build rapport with and are comfortable with. You know, price point is, yes, it's a factor, but I know for me personally, I would rather, regardless of price, that's why you've got all different plays. You've got premium brand supplies like White Lady who do an amazing job, and then you've got, you know, that's why Invocare's got their three branches. It's great. But, you know, you need to engage someone who you trust to look after someone you love. People literally shop. 100%. They get quotes. They ring up and say, we're getting quotations. We go, look, that's fine. But, you, you know, we ask them, what are you after? What type of service do you want? Where do you want the service? You know, we, you know do you want a, someone to officiate it? Do you want flowers? And then you put to, like, together like a, a, a quotation and we send out an itemised quote and that's what we do. Um, and then I've had people say to me in the past, oh, yes, you know, you were really well priced. I've had people that have said, oh, you know, um, you weren't the cheapest, but you spent the most time with me on the phone and... You know, I'm I'm more comfortable engaging you. I go, okay, thank you. Can people get ripped off in your industry? Yep. Yeah, and, and is that something that do you have you dedicated an episode in your series to the pitfalls of being knocked off? Not yet, Mark. The look, the thing is with our industry, as I said, it's highly unregulated. There's a lot of people that, that are briefcase operators. Okay. They don't own their own mortuary facilities, they don't own their own fleet, they hire everything in. So they hire a shelf in a mortuary. They're hiring cars, whereas with, you know, pl players like us and other independents and the conglomerates, we own our own facilities. We've got our own mortuaries. We've got our own fleets. That's all owned by us. Um, so with regulation, of course, comes change. So, and you've heard recently in the media about the cemetery amalgamations and all these sorts of things. It is, you know, I could write a book on on all the dramas with cemeteries and crematorias currently and 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 stakeholders like us with cemeteries it's just ridiculous and it's and it's actually quite scary mark when you when when you join the dots like i have over the last 12 months and you look at the death sector holistically and you join the dots of all the instances that have happened you go holy shit there's some major dramas going on here um, major um i can imagine people who are grieving are quite vulnerable um, to being mm, ripped of off, of course, and yep. or and or um, they to some extent might not shop. They just want to get the deal done, like just let's just do this so so they can put it behind themselves. So the burial is behind them, the whole crematorium, whatever it is, it's behind them. The cremation is all behind them, um, and therefore uh, the unsavoury characters who always seem to frequent uh, um, people's grief um, would be somewhat prevalent in your in your industry like they are in other industries but in your industry the same in my financial services industry we're trying to borrow, people trying to borrow money the same because you know they're they're vulnerable um and and you're saying there's no regulation my financial services business is like heavily regulated um you're not regulated um what would you like to see more regulation in your industry is it something you push for yep 100 percent 
But you look at the United States; they have to do modules on 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 funeral care. They 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 lose they're licensed. They lose their license if they don't comply. See, we're an accredited provider, so we we comply with all the Australian standards of, of the funeral industry. But in the states, you you actually have to go to university. You 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 learn all facets of the death industry, whereas here you don't. And the thing is, like that's why I've we you know we've we've, we've brought up death defined to educate people. Like, you know, I had an instance the other week where a family were going to inter their mother into a grave. And I looked at the invoice. I went, hang on, what's what's this here? And the daughter said, oh, well, we were just told we had to have that. And I went, that's bullshit. You don't have to have that. You don't have to have that at all. So I rang the, I rang the, 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 the body and I said, look, what's this? I said, I don't have to. It was $1,600 and said nearly $1,700 I paid for about six years ago. And I said, the ashes have come in a container that have been supplied. I said, why'd you charge this amount? And it's because the people, the family did not know that they did not need that component of the interment. They just paid it, $1,700. And then, and then now this family's gotten a refund from the body that, that charged them initially. So I think what you're doing, your education program, I think all these case studies, that, that would be another good case study. I mean, 100%. I think that, it, and, and if you could somehow direct consumers I mean consumers of your product to there mm. because I it's there's so many questions I, I like Heaps. the whole education program the, all the episodes that you're doing mm. and you and you're putting on the right channel YouTube um, but mm. I guess what's really important is that you've got to somehow got to make sure you get the traffic to your to your YouTube series that yeah. that's quite a powerful way of promoting yourself but without promoting mm -hmm. yourself I, I quite like it a lot I mean because there are Thank more you. I think about it, a lot of questions that I don't know the answer to um I know, my mother died a couple of years ago. I don't even know who organized mm -hmm. the funeral. I didn't. I must be my yeah. sister or brother or someone like that. Uh, I just turned up. But, um, uh, and I, I, I remember I helped pay for it. But, uh, mm. um, yeah, but that's sort of, um, yeah, it's quite, I never even thought about these things, um, to be honest with you. But I just, as you're speaking, I was yeah. thinking about something, and I, I've always wanted to ask someone like you this question. Mm. I, my, on my farm, mm. um, my neighbor, who's it's, mm. it's 400 acre property next door to me, mm. Um, mm. someone told me he died recently and someone mm -hmm. told me that he was buried on his farm standing upright because he always he, up on the hill. So he could sort of, right. not literally, Look, but sort of yeah. uh, uh, sort of see his whole farm because, you know, he's a very proud um, mm -hmm. uh, farmer and he was very proud in the way he uh, sort of um, – regenerated his farm back into wetlands. Mm -hmm. um, is it, can you get buried on your own property? With, with permission, you can. But the Who's issue permission? with that is you have, you have, you have to get the um, – I'm pretty sure it goes up to like New South Wales Health and the, and the council and the government's permission. Right. Years ago, property owners could get buried on their farm, but we've got a um, family farm at Oberon. One of our neighbours' father is actually buried on their property. But the issue now is – so. They want to sell the the farm, huh. but but now they've got to exhume him. They've got to exhume the body and put him into the cemetery to sell right. to sell the farm. So again, there's there's all these catches and legislational yeah, yeah, yeah. things that you've got to go through. And in, and I've the other thing I want to ask you too, if you don't mind me asking this question, yeah. that's why I like your way. education series. Um, <laughs> are there rules around where you can spread the ashes of somebody? I mean, like, I mean, let's say we got my mother's ashes, uh, my dad has. I mean, can I just go down to the beach and just, you know, throw them all over the beach? Or do you want on the record or off the record? Both. 
<laughs> Look, realistically, ashes can be scattered um, in a rose garden or at home. With with scattering in the ocean and things like that, it can be seen as pollution, um, human remains, uh, ashes. So, but then now that there's all these environmentally boats and things that you can put ashes in, they sail out and, and, and sink. But ashes, historically, they want were interred. The family got them, you kept them in an urn on the mantelpiece. Scattering yep. is now, you know, has come more popular in, 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 in times past. So families ask me, I say, look, um, early morning, go where you want to go. Make sure you're not standing downwind because you'll get a mouthful of ashes and, and do your scattering. Right, okay. You can hear that so from that's me. the off-the-record one, I yeah, guess. But uh, yeah. Because I mean, I've saw quite romantic um, the romantic um, thoughts of, um, you know, spreading your mum or your friend or your kids or whoever mm-hmm. it is, their ashes out at sea if they're a surfer, mm-hmm. a surfer or rider or, yep. or alternatively um, at some favourite place of theirs, which may not be in your home, uh, some other place that might be a favourite mm-hmm. place of yours. Because um, I got a letter in relation to my farm and it was from not the previous owners but the two previous owners before that mm-hmm. um, where they asked me if they could spread their grandfather's ashes um, on a fig tree that their grandfather planted on my property a hundred years ago. Wow. And uh, I said, yeah, no worries, you know, whatever. Good I, man. I don't give a shit. Um, and, yeah. uh, and I allowed them to do it. But um, – and uh, – and I, I often wondered whether it was illegal or legal. I mean, I didn't care, but um, illegal or legal. And uh, and I, I just thought there might have been some sort of rules about it. Then, but then again, I I read stories where you know that's you know, we sit on television where a whole lot of surfers have gone out into some place that's out right. in the middle of the in the ocean and they drop their best yeah. friend's ashes in the sea and they all sit around in the surfboards in a circle and uh, you know sing by or whatever they do and uh, all hang out. Um, um, so that uh, I, I guess people are breaking the rules around the ashes all the time. And the other thing I want to ask you too, sorry, sorry to keep asking you questions, but keep going. the other thing I want to ask you too is um, I guess I always say to people in business, um, you know, the best businesses are those businesses where it's a rising tide. And what yeah. I mean by that is um, uh, there's demand and it's an increasing yes. demand. And we have a, an aging population in Australia. I mean, not as bad as some nations, but Australia is pretty bad, um, relatively speaking. Um, and uh, I guess that means you're going to be in more demand as time goes on. The baby boom is so basically the silent generation, which were from the 1920s upward, they're, they're basically all departed. So now it's the baby boomers, which is the, the you know, the biggest uh, death demographic over the next 20 years that's going to it's hit yeah. And um and yeah, so yeah, so the baby boomers over the next twenty years are the, are the biggest death demographic in recorded history. So what's gonna happen now is, and that's why you've gotten these conglomerates and these players that have come onto the market to make, you know, of course to cash in, they're in business. And that's why you, now you've got the whole big um parliamentary uh reports tabled about, you know, the eleventh hour, which is a really interesting report on the cemetery and burial cremation sector and what the big threats are to the crown lands. And it's called the eleventh hour. It is like a hundred and something pages, but it's an amazing report. And it gives you a really good insight into where, you know, governments faltered, what needs to happen, how it needs to happen. And um and so all these things are all coming about now because they're saying we've got a shortage of land. Yeah, sure, we've got a shortage of land, but they want to bring in the renewable models and all these sort, sort of like Greek Mark, Greece, Mark, where they you know inter the body, then they exhume and give the family back the bones in years yep. to come. 
But on the other hand, too, when you look at it, it's a money-making machine for the government because they get to resell those plots time and time again each time for more money, and you sign a lease for that plot. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's going to be re really interesting times moving forward with the baby boomers um, over the next 20 or so years. But I think I think with that, times are changing because you like you're not like we've done a few services for Italians and Greeks for cremations they're traditionally buried so yep. the mentality is and that's why one one amazing duo I had on death defined was Aldo and Joe Italian gentlemen in their 80s we sat there drinking wine together getting pierced and they were amazing because they both want to be cremated and I thought wow that's really interesting and then and what and what we've done you know as a result of that I said to to Joe he go I said when like so your mum's cremated. So often mum and dad are cremated. We're, we've actually got quite a few ashes in store that we are waiting for their spouse to pass away because when the spouse passes away, because they were both soulmates in life, we're going to mix their ashes together that's and then cool. put them both in urns. So that's something that we're doing as well for families is that, you know, putting mum and dad together and mixing their ashes, which is a beautiful idea. I brought that up to my mum and dad and dad went, bullshit, I don't want her screaming in my ear for the rest of my life. Well, that's what my dad said. But some people like that, you know. What are you going to do? I've always thought I wanted the big, massive police escort and funeral service. But, look, you know what? For me, I, I do want something. I want, I, want, I, want a, I want a funeral service. I don't know exactly. And it's funny. We survey we put out is exactly where I'm at. I'm, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't really thought about it and I deal with death every day. Like part of me goes, well, I want to be buried. The other part goes, no, I want to be cremated. Um, my mum had a really good idea. She's, um, she wants to be cremated. She's decided and she's bought these little teddy bears, these teddy bears that you get and they've got little vials in them and she wants some of her ashes put in each teddy bear for me and my sister so we can give her a cuddle when she's gone. And, um, and I thought that was a really nice idea and I went, oh, God. Said, so, you know, that'll be nice, mum. But yeah, but you know, I don't know what I want. It's just really unusual. It's a good question. My mum's ashes are still in an urn, or these, not quite an urn, but you know, those boxes the box. that they have. Yep. And uh, my dad, who's still alive, still puts uh, puts my mother's ashes in the bedroom at night. Yep. Takes it out in the morning, turns the radio on, puts it in the kitchen while he has his cup of tea, and and. Or he has for breakfast and, uh, and turns the radio on. Mum likes used to love listening to music, and then yeah. uh, then if it's a sunny day, he'll take it take her ashes outside and uh, beautiful. And he and he has a, he still has a mo uh, sort of a moment with the, the ashes. And I think she's been passed away. I don't know three or four years now. Um, it's beautiful. And uh, yeah, you, I I think we underestimate, particularly for older people mm -hmm. who have been together for a long long time. Um, yeah, uh, how sort of attached Lost. they get to the ashes. And I think the ashes is actually becoming, because it's more tangible, it's probably better than like being buried in the ground. Exactly. For me to go to the bones, I've got to go, to, you know, I've got to go to the cemetery. I've got to yeah. go out in the botany or I've got to go to, yeah. uh, you know, Rook, Rookwood or whatever it is. And uh, yeah. that's sort of a punish. I mean, I'd rather have the ashes somewhere around me where I can actually see them. And, uh, you know, it'd be good to have a photograph on, or a painting or something on there or, of your mother or what she looked like, and sort of, uh, sort of upgraded a little bit. It's so I, I've, I, this has been a fascinating conversation. Um, Thank you. I'll be honest, really fascinating. You are not what I expected to see. You know, like I sort of, you, you know, you're not dressed this way. You're sitting in the uh, Joseph's chair. 
um, <laughs> and uh, and you're full of energy and um, and fun and stuff like that. You're not your undertaker, the old school undertaker yeah. that I saw when I was a kid. Um, and uh, it's been very interesting. But, I, but I've been asking all the questions. But do you have a question for me? Yeah, I do actually. Um, and 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 I'd, I'd be really interested to know: Do you have any major regrets in your life? And if so, what did you do to rectify it? Or if you could turn back the clock, would you go back and do it differently? In business? No, per, anything. Per personal business. But I think I think a lot of people on your show ask you about your your business because you're such an amazing businessman and you're an inspiration for, for a lot of business owners. I think learning more about the personal mark would be nice, something that's happened maybe in your life that you regret. Yeah, I, I, I will share something with you. Um, uh, um, I was always in a hurry um, in my 20s and – probably in my definitely definitely my 20s and probably my 30s in a hurry to just in a hurry um and i had no i was intellectually arrogant thought i was smarter than everybody else um and uh and i was intellectually intolerant um in that um i i couldn't put up with i what i would consider um someone not being able to understand the point i was trying to make or what i would consider to be stupidity and, mm-hmm. and it's arrogance, intolerance, and uh, not able to um, work at the pace that was in, was presented to me, as opposed mm-hmm. to my pace. Um, and um, and what that meant that I did was that uh, I probably burned a lot of people um, around me because some um, people either just want to work at a different pace or. Um, yeah just approach things intellectually differently to me um, or alternatively um, were differently educated or had different levels of experience to me. And uh, um, I would always, uh, as I said, I, I sort of thought I was superior um, mm-hmm. intellectually um, to people. Thing. This is in my 20s and 30s. Um, and yeah. when that's not the case, um, mm. uh, I might have had more experience or had – slightly different um, specialised education in certain areas or thought differently, but it didn't mean I was better. Um, mm-hmm. It just meant I was different. And or more importantly, they were different to me. In fact, most of them, in hindsight, I could put them into a, a bigger group than me and to some extent, therefore, um, I'm the outsider. <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, I always thought of people as outsiders. And as a result of that, I, I was, as I said, intolerant and arrogant and I burned people. And I, re- I do regret that. Um, I do regret yeah. that. So the mentor business is a little bit of repair in that regard. So right. what I try to do today is actually help people and uh, listen to their story and ask questions like I'm doing today on my podcast. Mm-hmm. This is a bit of uh, – I always often say I'm paying forward, but I'm also paying back. I'm paying back Brilliant. for all those years where um, I was probably too tough on people for the wrong reasons. And uh, so that's my make good, if I could put it that way, as I'm older and I'm less in a hurry and I'm more tolerant and uh, definitely trying to be less arrogant just by presenting people like you today and the people listening to your story and other people in all my podcasts and my straight talk show, um, just to help out for nothing. It's a free show. And yeah. uh, if that helps one person, then I feel as though I paid back a little bit for what I did in my 20s and 30s. That's brilliant, Mark. Like, you know, the one thing that mum said to me when I was little, she said, never forget where you've come from and never forget the people who have helped you along your way. 
and that's and that's how I try to live myself. But as you get older, you reflect on on your life, and you and that, I suppose, as you said, it comes with age. You know, you you look back and thank you so much for answering that so honestly. I really appreciate it. Really nice to talk to you, Matt Quaker from Southern Cross Funeral. And by the way, they're directing traffic. Southern Cross Funeral Directors. Good on you, mate. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. Take care. Thanks for listening to The Mentor. Audio and production is by Jess Morley. And production assistance, Jonathan Leondis. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.